You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Lisa Peskin, founder and CEO of Business Development University, a sales and sales management training, coaching, and consulting company. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Now, as everybody knows, I like to start the conversation with something completely random to get to know you a little bit more as a person, aside from all of your business success. So I'm really curious. In, in the past, I've heard you speak at different events and you tell stories about your family and growing up in New York. And I'm really curious because we've known each other for a while. I know your personality, but I'm curious when you were a kid, what did your parents think you would grow up to be and why? A doctor. My dad always said, follow your passion. Don't count your husband for your money. And if you can be your own boss, my brother's a doctor. My brother-in-law's a doctor. I love helping people. So I figured that would be my perfect profession. And you sort of did that. You're a business doctor in some ways. A sales doctor. A sales doctor. Yes, exactly. Okay. So not quite the same, but a lot less bloody, which personally is a lot easier as far as I'm concerned. And I would have made a terrible doctor because I'm very, very squeamish. So I really (laughs) chose the right path. That's good to know. Always good to know you're on the right path. Then being that you're on the right path in the world of business development and sales, who do you need to influence? And how is that different from where you were before? That's a great question. So at this point in my life, in the role that I'm at, it's all about influencing my clients, my prospects, my centers of influences, my audiences for the speaking engagements, and it's all about impacting them. But back in my previous role, it was really about, I ran a 40-person sales force for ADP. So at that point, it was really influencing the four managers that reported into me, as well as the 40 people that reported into them. Okay. And in order to shift into this new role as the, now you're the founder, of course, of this company in the first place, and you've got your whole sales team and you've got all the other people that you're working with, et cetera. But to go from working there as that employee of sorts, that manager to running the show, what specific communication skills did you have to develop? Well, one of them that I thought was really critical along the way was being able to provide feedback in a proper Mm -hmm. way. And I made a bunch of mistakes. First, I didn't realize that I should be providing feedback directly to the person that I needed to provide feedback to. Mm -hmm. And I remember a particular situation where one of my employees came in late and I went and asked somebody else to go figure out why she was late. And she all of a sudden stormed into my office and said, do you want to know why I was late? And proceeded to tell me that she had been to a networking event that morning. Mm. Or in my meetings, I would think that if somebody made a mistake, let me just verbalize it to everybody because that way not everybody else will make that mistake. And I was called out on it. So I didn't realize until my days back at ADP that there is actually a feedback model, whether you're giving upward feedback, lateral feedback, 
or feedback to some of the that reports into you, it's really important that you follow certain steps to be able to provide that feedback so that they understand what you're trying to get across. So I'm curious, I want to clarify a little piece that you mentioned in there. You said that you gave somebody feedback, I guess, in front of the group and you got called out on it. In what sense? What happened? So I actually did it in an anonymous stop, start and continue on my team. And what did they want me to stop doing? What did they want me to start doing? What did they want me to continue doing? And one of the stops was stop bringing up mistakes that we made in front of the entire group. Hmm. I thought I was being very efficient (laughs) with the way I was doing it and stopping everybody else from making the same mistake. But in essence, everybody knew that they weren't doing it and they knew who was doing it. So I was basically throwing somebody else under the bus. Got it. It's a teachable moment in an extent, but at the expense of somebody else's reputation or public image, they just found it embarrassing. Yes. And I also didn't realize that I couldn't give constructive feedback in front of other people, that it had to be behind closed doors. So learning all those aspects of effective feedback was really instrumental in me getting to the next level within my career. Absolutely. And feedback is something that so many people struggle with. It's hard to hear. It's hard to give. A lot of people even struggle with giving positive feedback. It just feels awkward somehow. I think also others will struggle with receiving it. There's something about feeling embarrassed if somebody gives you praise for something well done. It's it's such a catch-22 for a lot of people. So I think learning to give and receive both positive and negative is part of what makes you a well-rounded leader, don't you think? I absolutely agree. And it is about communication. As you know, it's not necessarily what the communicator wants to get across. It's how the receiver receives it. And I thought I was being very effective in the way I was doing it, but it wasn't coming across properly. Sure. So the point got across, the lesson was taught of sorts, but at what expense? What's the trade-off at that point? So now maybe that just answered my next question too. And if you want to say, yep, that was the big one, then great, we'll move on. But I was curious if you wanted to share what was a do-over moment you wish you could have or a lesson that you had to learn the hard way. And maybe that was it. Or if you've got another one to share. No, I actually made a whole bunch of mistakes <laughs> to do over. So I've got another one for you. Sure. When I was first promoted to be a manager at ADP, I was leading an all-male sales force. Okay. And I didn't really know what I was doing. There weren't very many women in my position across the country or even in my region. And the very first meeting, I clearly remember just telling them all my vulnerabilities and telling them that, you know, this is my first management position and that I've got two young kids and I'm going to do my very best. Just feeling that, you know, trying to get across that I was real and honest, but what I was lacking in that conversation was confidence. Mm. And it really came to hurt me because I started off on a terrible note with these people. And it took me a while to have to earn their respect and their trust after that. Mm. So what would the do-over look like? I would not have expressed all my concerns and worries in my very first meeting with them. I would have waited until I got to know them. But in that meeting, I would have gotten across what my vision was, what I wanted the team to accomplish together, and really talk about how we were going to work together instead of really just trying to let them know that I was so unsure. 
And I think a lot of people struggle with that whole, well, I want to be, you know, vulnerable, that whole Brene Brown, you know, need to be transparent and need to let people in and all these things. But maybe there's not just a line, but there's quite a bit of gray actually between just data dumping and letting all the skeletons out of the closet, letting all your foibles, letting all the warts be seen, letting all the challenges and issues come out at once as a heck of a first impression versus you know, having a, a bit of a filter there and just understanding what's appropriate in the moment. How much is enough versus what can people handle in making those, uh, opening the door to them, but perhaps not just flinging it wide. And another thing I just thought about as you were talking, if I was unhappy with something that was going on in a meeting when I was a sales rep, I would literally fold my arms Mm. and let them all know with my facial expressions that I was unhappy. And I didn't realize how unprofessional that was at the time. Mm. And did you get feedback about it or how did you, what turned the light on for you? I did get feedback about it, you know, like it was more in a teasing sense of like, we we could always tell when Lisa's unhappy about something. No, got it. It's a little embarrassing. (laughs) But that's so important, right? The whole point, look, everything that I've always taught as far as the alignment, the importance of alignment for credibility, the alignment between your verbal, which is your words, your vocal, which is your voice and your visual, which is your body language and facial expressions. Those three pieces are all equally powerful and need to work together to communicate. So even if you're not saying a word, if your body language, if your arms are crossed and your face is all scowled and whatever else, you're speaking volumes without having said a word. So that's just a greater testament to the importance of being aware of what you're actually communicating, even when you're not speaking. I couldn't agree with you more. And it comes to professionalism. Yes. And, you know, I'm, I have a 23-year-old daughter and a 25-year-old son. And I'm trying to teach them some of the lessons that I learned over time so they don't necessarily have to learn them on their own. And there's a lot of collaboration going on and body language. And as you said, making sure that, you know, you're communicating properly in all the different manners. Now, with all that being said, we understand where you've come from. What's the next big goal for you, whether for you personally or for BDU? And what communication skills will you need to further develop to achieve it? So the next big goal is a book. So I'm actually around 85% done. And it's wow. actually called Squeeze the Lemon, which okay. is not necessarily making lemonade out of lemons, but it's making the most out of everything that you do. But it's really the top 10 secrets of success in sales. But the challenge that comes along with that is instead of promoting what we do, which is significantly impacting salespeople, now it's all of a sudden communicating the value of a book mm-hmm. and the speaking engagement that are going to go along with that book and using social media properly. I think I just need to follow a lot of the wonderful things that you're doing, actually, because I see between your podcast and the book, it's really all, you know, wrapped together and it's all about impacting others. Well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that you can see the trend, aside from the fact that the names are similar, but sometimes part of what we're all doing in in trying different things is building the plane mid-flight. So I'm glad to know that it's taking off and heading in a direction. (laughs) Well, Lisa, this brings us to the opportunity now, our Influence Challenge of the Day, the Listener 24-Hour Influence Challenge. So I'm going to ask you, based on some of the lessons that you've shared so far, what's one challenge that you would like to extend to our listeners, a task that they have to complete in the next 24 hours 
to have more influence. So find one individual, either in your business life or in your personal life, that you want to provide feedback to. And there is an actual feedback model. And I would challenge you within the next 24 hours, somebody that you've been meaning to talk to about maybe something that they did that you didn't care for or something, as you said, positive feedback. I'm going to actually challenge them to give constructive feedback to somebody. So either laterally, upward or downward and see if you could do it within the next 24 hours. Now, you mentioned that there is a feedback model. Where is that model? It's actually on my website, which is businessdevelopmentuniversity.com. You could find it under resources and the BD utensils. And it's a step-by-step model that has helped me along the years and could be very helpful to you as well with the different things that you need to make sure you do when providing feedback. That's awesome. And thank you for providing that that worksheet, that template for us all to follow. I will make sure that those the links to that is in our show notes. So anybody out there who's listening and wants that template to take a lot of the guesswork out of how to give constructive feedback, please go to the link on our show notes and that will take you right over to BDU. Fabulous. From here, where do we go with regard to guiding others on the journey? Things like succession planning and career advancement priorities within the company, within Business Development University, starting with the concept of executive presence. This is something that we hear more and more, uh, that je ne sais quoi of how do you recognize a leader when you see or hear him or her. So how would you define executive presence and how would you evaluate it in somebody else? That is also a great question. And you also talked about leadership. And I think there is a big difference between a great manager and a great leader. So a great leader and executive presence to me is about confidence. It's about being able to communicate your vision, your mission, your expectations, having a certain amount of charisma, being able to communicate not only verbally, but through effective emails. And really, the leaders that I've always looked up to are the ones that really captivate an audience and really get people to say, oh, I want to follow this person and they're leading by example. Yes, which is hard for a lot of people to do. Everybody knows what should be done. It's just sometimes harder to do it than to tell others. Then when you are grooming either a high potential employee or looking to hire somebody from outside for a leadership role, what are the three most important skills, communication skills specifically that you look for? So they need to be able to persuade others. Whether it's persuade others to maybe take a different path or whatever it might be. So the power of persuasion, I think, is extremely important. Something else I just mentioned was the ability to communicate effectively, either verbally or through memos, emails, or correspondence, especially during this crazy time. I'm finding that so many leaders are getting in front of their team and really talking about what they do. And it's those people that really are strong and and give you a sense of confidence. And then the last thing, I'm going to go back to what we've already talked about, someone that could provide effective feedback. Because as a leader, I feel that every leader has a one-line job description. It's to make the folks that are reporting into that leader to be as effective 
and as successful as possible. So in order to do that, you need to not only be able to recognize areas of opportunity, but also be able to close those areas of opportunity and develop people in those areas. What about the other side of that coin? What about the red flag that you might see in in that skill set or lack of skill set that could be a complete career derailer or would otherwise stop you from hiring or promoting that person? So I think it's the lack of empathy, the Mm -hmm. lack of being able to put yourself in somebody else's position, being able to understand things from somebody else's perspective. And I think that's something I learned Over the years, I added in my mind the way I wanted to do things, but I wasn't always considering how it was being received as I the couple examples that I've already provided today. But I think that empathy and really being able to understand others' perspective, because when I was a manager, I wanted everybody to be little Lisa Peskins. And the fact of the matter is that everybody's got their own strengths and everybody's got their own areas of opportunity. And even with the BDU team members, it's all about that ability to really affect our clients' performance. Sure. And look, I've met the original Lisa Peskin and uh, there cannot possibly be a bunch of little mini-me's running around. They broke the mold after they made the original. So we want to keep Lisa, Lisa. What about for those who you have hired and who are working for you uh, directly underneath you, I should say, when they have to present information to you, what do you wish they would all do differently? This is what I like to refer to as my pet peeve question. Well, my pet peeve is and has always been when someone presents a problem without the corresponding solution. I was always taught that if there was ever an issue or concern and I was to present it to my boss or the higher ups to come in with potential solutions. So one of my pet peeves is someone that's constantly finding the problems and the negatives without ever looking at solutions. Yes. Solutions, solutions, solutions. Tell me what the problem is, but tell me how you think we should fix it. Don't just come and say, mommy, fix the world for me. Exactly. Easy to do sometimes too. Okay. Then it is now officially time. If I had a bell, I would ring it for the speed round. And these are some of the most common themes and challenges that arise in my coaching and in my training discussions with clients. Even when I'm on stage, sometimes Q&A from the audience. People tend to think of them as black and white, either or kind of options, which we all know they're actually not. And they also tend to feel like they're the only ones struggling with these issues. So I want people to have the opportunity now to understand that this is not the case, right? They're not alone. That while you may have been born perfect and wonderful, that ultimately we all struggle with things along the way. So first, I'm going to give you a choice and For each of those choices, I'll ask you to respond initially in a single word or short phrase, and then I'll give you a follow-up prompt and allow you to to expand a little bit more, ask you to expand. So first, public speaking, love it or hate it? Love it. Love it. Why? Well, it's my chance to influence others. I just turned 59, and I always think, what if, God forbid, something happens to me tomorrow? How can I impact more people? Why was I even put here? But quite honestly, if you met me as a young girl, you would have found a very shy, insecure person that the last thing I ever thought I would love to do is public speaking. But my dad always said, if you're afraid of something, put yourself in a situation to overcome that fear. 
So I absolutely love it. And as far as advice for somebody with speaking engagements, if you're afraid of it, put yourself in a position and then practice, practice, practice. Because once you practice, it becomes easy. All right. Face your fears. That's the advice. Just hold your nose and jump into the deep end. That Sure, why not? Then what about introversion and extroversion? Where do you fall? Definitely an extrovert. I think I would have guessed that one. Younger, it was totally opposite, but I am definitely an extrovert. Interesting. What made you shift gears? That's not something we usually hear. My mother in me came out. That's basically what it was, a Jewish New Yorker from the Bronx. And she was kind of like a Joan Rivers character. So you were or your mother was or the woman who was my mother was. And so my mother in me came out. I would say. And it's it's gotten bad because growing up, she would talk to everybody. And now my friends, family, they always tease me because I can't help myself in having (laughs) conversations with strangers. So there's fun in that. It doesn't have to be a scary prospect. No, it doesn't. And actually, one of my friends, I'm I'm her wing woman because she's trying to find a guy. And I'll go in <laughs> acting as wing woman and I'll come out with three business cards. <laughs> <laughs> the question is, does she get a date out of it? Or do you just end up leaving with all the prospects? I got her somebody that she went out with for a full year. So I did a pretty darn good job. Okay, you've earned your business cards. That's great. Hopefully a nice little cocktail along with it. Yeah. Then finally, let's talk about handling conflict, which is the 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 big scary word for a lot of people. But even though there's different ways to navigate it, everybody's hardwired to tend to go in one direction or another. When you're faced with possible conflict, either someone brings it to you or you need to address it with somebody else, is your natural inclination to want to avoid it or to go in head on? Avoid it. I hate conflict and I'll avoid it as much as I possibely can, because it's my least favorite. I like peace and harmony. Now, I understand that you need to face it head on, but you asked what my inclination was. Yes, of course. And that's the whole point, right? Is that we all have the inclination, but as you mentioned, we can't always just follow that gut reflex. So then what's something that you've learned about that tendency? And what's one piece of advice you can give to others who are also like you and would just prefer to avoid it at all costs? In preparing for those conversations, I write down all my talking points. I first brainstorm it, and then I put them in order so that when I have the conversation, I'm fully prepared. I find by doing that, it helps me in the conversation. And the piece that goes along with that is get it over with. Sometimes the anticipation of these conversations is worse than the actual conversation. So rip off that Band-Aid and get these done sooner than later. Sound advice, Lisa. Then from here, how can people learn more about you and BDU? So again, you could come to our website, businessdevelopmentuniversity.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. What we try to do is provide a lot of value and Hopefully, you'll find that some of the stuff that we can give to you will be helpful in your role. Finally, then, is there anything else that you would like to give our audience? You've already offered the worksheets. Remind me, that was the feedback feedback worksheet, right, which is terrific. And on the BDU BDU utensils, I believe it is, is your list, right? What other kinds of of free giveaways do you have there? Because you've got a whole repository of great stuff. So if you need to figure out how to do something for your business, just go check out Lisa's website first, because 
she just gives you all sorts of tools and models and templates and worksheets to work through. I love it. So um, Lisa, you want to give a quick idea of some of the stuff that's on there? So there's all these tools that I put together either for a salesperson or business development person or sales manager. For sales managers, we have the feedback model. We have sample interview questions. We have a triage analysis to enable you to really figure out how to help your direct reports. For the direct reports, we have client visit checklist, prospect visit checklist, networking visit checklist. So instead of you having to figure out everything, I've given you tools that you could take in a Word version, modify it for yourself and implement it to really drive your results. And for everybody else out there, remember, even if you're not a sales professional specifically, like she mentioned before, it's there's the conflict model to how to step your way through those. And that, so there's a lot of tools also that are meant for everybody, daily task lists and to-dos and those kinds of things. So I would encourage everybody to take a look at, so the URL, Lisa, again, of course, we'll put it on my show notes website, but it's developmentuniversity.com. And again, whether you're in sales or business development, like Laura said, or whether you're just selling yourself and networking, all these tools are applicable, whether you're in an official sales role or really just in any role that really needs to influence other people. Terrific. Lisa, thank you so much for sharing your insights and all of your BD utensils. I love that title. Uh, with the rest of us. And to everybody else out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode if you haven't done so already. And please give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, as always, if you want to download my quick start guide to mastering the three C's, command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sakola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.